0: Welcome to the Gap Church podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. I want you to just look to your neighbor and say, "We serve a great God. We serve a good God. We serve a faithful God." Welcome, everyone, to week two of our new series called Blue. Um, can we just make some noise for the worship team? Thank you, bro. My name is uh, David oladaro Um, If this is your first time here at The Gap Church, welcome to The Gap Church, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. You could be anywhere, but you chose to be here, so we are grateful that you're here. Um, thank you once again. Like I said, we are in a new series called Code Blue. Everybody say that, Code Blue. Code Blue. It's our revival series, and so... Um, One thing that's so special about the worship today is that it was a little bit stripped down, but I think the best part about stripped down worship is that it allows you to refocus, not on the noise or the drums or everything, but really focus on what's being said. Many times we've sung these songs. We've sung, you know, uh, Build My Life. We've sung all these songs, Holy, only you are, you know, and we sometimes don't even know what we're singing. We've gotten so used to it. And so this is a series that, We really want to get back into focusing on our why. And what is our why? Jesus Christ. Amen. And so I won't take too much of our time. Like I said, we are in a new series called Code Blue. And um, last week we started. And what was the title for last week's message? Whoever was here. Y'all quiet. Y'all got to get some revival in y'all spirits. Revival starts on the deathbed. Revival starts on the deathbed. So, if this is your first time where you were not here last week, um, you know what? We're going we're gonna to pull some grace for you. Um, I'm going to go and review a little bit of the things that we spoke about last week to get you guys on the same page. And so, some of the things that we spoke about last week revival starts on the deathbed. Revival can only start if you acknowledge that you are dying. There's no need for revival if you don't need to be revived. That's it. Why would you need revival if you're, if you're well, if you're good? So revival starts at the moment that you realize and say, God, I'm cold. I need help. And so some things that we spoke about last week is that some misconceptions is that revival is not a place. Revival doesn't just happen once. Revival is not an event. Revival is not speaking in tongues, amazing worship, and amazing word. God looks at the heart. Man looks at appearance. Revival is a person, and his name is Jesus. That's what revival is. When do we see revival? We tend to see revival in these four instances. I'm sure there's multiple more, but these are all scripture-based. Number one, when the word of the Lord becomes rare, when there may be a lack of revelation, when God has gone, quote-unquote, quiet. Number two, the generation that God moved through before may be fading away. Number three, when there is a lack of restraint and mass complacency to the warnings of God. And number four, the mant- when the mantles of the old potentially may or have been dropped. So if you were not here, or you did not listen to last week's message, I've just caught you up. But go ahead and still listen to that message so you get the full understanding. Amen? Cool. So I want us to go ahead and just open our Bibles to Matthew 3, 1 to 3. Matthew 3, 1 to 3. Matthew 3, 1 to 3. Can we make some noise for the Bible? Come on. Some of y'all, it's like, man, it's been a while since I opened this. (laughs) Shout out to those who have the physical Bible. I see you, Grace. (laughs) Matthew 1, Matthew 3, 1 to 3. Cool. This is Amplified Classic. Number, verse 1. In those days, there appeared John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness desert of Judea. Verse 2. And saying, repent, think differently, Change your mind, regretting your sins, and changing your conduct, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 3. This is he who was mentioned by the prophet of Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, shouting in the desert, prepare the road for the Lord. Make his highway straight, level direct. Bless the reading of God's word. The title for today's message is The Catalyst of Revival. The Catalyst of Revival. I've come here to... Help us understand. And what we're going to be talking about today is repentance. Many of us are like, oh gosh, Sunday school. Ah, repentance. You need to go out and repent. Apostle will have this. <laughs> repentance is the catalyst for revival. If there's no repentance, there's no point of revival. In fact, I'll go further and say if there's no repentance, there's no revival. John the Baptist came preaching this same message, and after John the Baptist was done preparing the way, what happened is that we did not see a change of message from Jesus Christ. We saw a continuation. Jesus Christ relayed the same message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So what does it mean to repent, or what is repentance? So to repent, you can write this down. Shout out to the media team for going ahead and beyond and putting these slides together. Has that helped a little bit, guys? I think it has, right? So to repent means to regret or be remorseful. Repentance in Hebrew means teshuva. And the difference from repentance and to repent, repentance is a decision. It is deciding to turn away from where you are headed and moving back towards God. Amen. I want us to understand that repentance is the act of admitting wrongdoing and saying sorry. Forgiveness, though, is the act of pardoning an offender. So when we pray, God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, have mercy on me, we're asking God to pardon us. But repentance is admitting what we've done. So many of us find it so easy to pray that God will forgive us, but we do not find it easy to admit to our wrongdoing. Many of us have not taken responsibilities for the sins that we've done. And so today I want you to come to a place where you understand that I got to go back home and actually admit my wrongdoing. Because all you've been doing is saying, God, forgive me, have mercy on me. God, forgive me, have mercy on me. For what? Why are you guilty? If someone comes to the police and says, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, the police going to be like, why? What's up? Say what you've done. And so you cannot say, pardon me, if there is no offense. And so we have to be specific with the offense. I want us to emphasize that repentance is important because it's important to God. Luke 5:21, Luke 5:31 to 32 says, Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Verse 32. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so today I'm going to go into the depths of this. What is true repentance? I think many of us have heard this for such a long time, but we don't understand what is true repentance. Am I really doing this right? Am I really repenting right? You know, they say go on your knees and just say, God, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. But what does it really look like to truly repent? Media, can we please open uh, the scripture again, Matthew, one, Matthew 3, 1 to 3. Because I believe that this gives us the great strategy of what true repentance looks like. Verse 2, please. It says, and saying repent, it says what? Think differently, number one. Change your mind, number two. Regretting your sins, number three. And number four, changing your conduct. That's how you Have true repentance. Thinking differently, change your mind, regretting your sins, and changing your conduct. So what does it mean to think differently? Because some of us may look at it and say, thinking differently and changing your mind, that sounds like the same thing. No, 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 it's not the same thing. You see, thinking different is a strategy that got you to sin. It's a strategy that made you sin. Okay, I mean, like, she's probably going to be coming into town at this time, so maybe I can, you know, whine and, you know, brunch her, and then, you know, we're going to go back to the room and just, ooh. The strategy. You know, if I, if I sit next to this person in the exam hall, you know, I know that they're going to hold her down because they're the smart person. So, you know, if I look to my left, I know I'm probably going to be covered. That's, that's the first thing. Thinking differently. If I work this shift... You know, then I won't be held too accountable for some of the things. And, you know, I can probably, like, manipulate my time card. <laughs> think differently. So, so when we have true repentance, we are asking God, God, help me to think different. Because there's a reason why you sinned the way you sinned. You felt a certain way. So you're checking your, your, your strategy. Number two. To change your mind. You see, changing your mind is changing the bounds, the context of your thinking. You see, I just told you the strategy, but what put that thought there in the first place? If your mind is in filth, everything you will think is filth. So when we ask God to change our thinking, that's all great, but what we really need to ask God to do is change our mind. Because if we don't change our mind, we will never, will continue to develop the same thoughts. Yeah. That is why a lot of times somebody, <laughs> I'll be real, somebody can, 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 can be so far away from pornography and lust, many years has been far away from it, but they still have perverted thoughts. They're thinking differently, but the context of their mind hasn't changed. So we have to pray in true repentance that God, change my mind. Colossians 3, 1 to 2. Colossians 3, 1 to 2. I love this scripture because it allows us to see this. It says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, is, sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. It says, set your mind. Position your mind Where is your mind positioned? So it's saying set your mind on the things above. If your mind is in a context above, what you will think is completely different. Romans 12, 1 to 2, I love this scripture because this is something that we always pray about. But I think when we think of true repentance, it makes us understand why we are asking for a renewing of our mind. Romans 12, 1-2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, by checking the context of your mind. By asking God, I think think my mind, I've, I've set my mind in a specific place. You know, that makes me realize that we have control of where our mind sits. So this is why it's a constant prayer that God, renew my mind. Number three, true regret for sin. True regret for sin. Many of us do not have true regret for sin. We have a strategy when it comes to repentance. Repentance. God, I'm so sorry for sleeping with her, man. Amen. Still goes to text her. God, I'm so sorry. You know, I cheated on that thing. God, I'm so sorry. Amen. 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 Okay, cool. I can breathe now. What does it mean to truly regret something? I remember I was thinking about something recently, and I was looking at something I had bought a while ago, and I was like, man, I really regret buying this. And, And when you say regret, it means that almost saying that I wish I never even thought of this. I wish I, I never even came in contact with. I regret meeting this person. What does that mean? I wish we never even walked in the same path. I wish we were never in the same room. I wish I never even made eye contact with them. To have deep regret for sin is saying that I wish I never sent the text. I wish I never got and put some clothes on, some comfy clothes. I wish I never now went to my car. I wish I never put on the ignition. I wish I never with my dumb head at 12 midnight drive to his house. I wish I didn't now have a text and text him. And then I wish I never now knocked on the door. I wish I never skirt past his roommates. I wish I never watched that stupid one hour Netflix series with him because I was, you know, horny. Let's be real. I wish I never let him kiss my neck. Many of us, we're so, we're so stuck on just, I wish I never had sex. But admit through the whole process, your own hands put you in the situation. <laughs> You were the one that was fake sleeping. <laughs> we don't have true regret for sin anymore. We don't regret it. We just pray to God to forgive us so it makes us feel good. And we'll still go back to the vomit. The curious case of someone that's lukewarm. That's it. It's a routine. I do the do. I come back to God. I'm so sorry, God. I'm so sorry, God. Purify me, purify me, purify me. And then back to it again. Number four. And here's the thing. If you do not regret your sin, number four is impossible. Change your conduct. Change your conduct. We are the generation of... I'm not perfect, but I'm progressing to perfection. That's the generation we're in. Here's the thing, you're lying to yourself. You're not perfect, but you're delayed. Because here's the thing, if you're progressing to perfection, what happens is that you analyze where you messed up and you make a change. But you don't change. Colossians 3, 12 to 15, Colossians 3, Ooh. Oh, Colossians 3, 12 to 15. Colossians 3, 12 to 15. It says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Verse 14. 14. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. You see, that once you become a believer, the standard, the expectation of your walk increases. It's different now. And so you are now held to change your conduct into what it looks like to be a new believer. Many of us, we don't change our conduct. And number five, I want to add this because I believe this is very important. It's not in the scripture, but I think it's a part that should not be left out. As I study scripture, it says, uh, number five is turning around and returning to God. True repentance. You see, you can ask God to think, you say that, God, help me to think different. You can change your mind. You can have true regret for sin. You can change your conduct. But the truth is that you can go through all of that and walk away. The highest responsibility, the true responsibility, you taking full responsibility for your sin is turning back and going to God. The hardest thing is to know you did something wrong to somebody and have to go back and confront them. The hardest thing is knowing you lied to a person and seeing them in the mall when you told them you were going to be somewhere else. Oop, got to hide, One, you have to come face to face with the person who went on the cross for you and you spit on him and you said, I don't really care what you did on the cross. When you have to now come back to him and say, I'm so sorry that I did that to you. Many people, they get lost here. Many people make the excuse for themselves here because when they start to think of the shame well, I'm probably going to do it again. Who am I? I've done messed up five times. I just can't say no to this, friends. I just can't stop being a hater. Let's be real. <laughs> but you have to return to God. That is what distinguished David upon every single person in the scripture. Was that every single time King David messed up. He came back to God. Many people that were called by God, sent forth by God, screwed up and messed up, but they never went back to God. We read this in scripture last week when it came to to, to the sons of Eli. God said to Samuel that Eli knows what they're doing. I've told him, and yet he's done nothing. So now I've told you what true repentance is. And I'm rounding up pretty soon. But I want to also let you understand what happens if you choose not to repent. I'm going to be very middle ground for y'all. Let's be real. Romans 2, 1 to 5. Romans 2, 1 to 5. Romans 2, 1 to 5. What happens if you choose? Yeah, I'm good. It says, therefore, you are inexcusable, old man. Whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge, whoever you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. That's a lot of judge. Number two, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth. Against those who practice such things, if you were here during our series of vibes, the such things is everything that we were discussing to that series, and a lot of those things still happen today. verse three and do you think this old man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same that you will escape the judgment of God, do you really think that you 're going to keep on going down this route? Doing lukewarmness, that you're going to escape the judgment of God because he's so graceful. I'm sure there's some mansion that can fit my stuff. I mean, I can live in the condos in heaven. Verse 4. Or do you despise? This is, this is, this is such a crazy verse right here because it almost says, it's almost like us like insulting God. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness? Forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. So, are you so far off that you think that all that good stuff about God, I don't want it? Because, guess what? If you think about it, it should lead you to repentance. Verse five, but in accordance, in accordance to which your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So, in accordance to your stubbornness, to your, I still got time to figure it out, I'll give God my 30s. That's good. Because here's the thing it says you're treasuring up. So, you're treasuring up your 20s. You're building treasure, stock. That in the, in the day of wrath and revelation, <laughs> that's what happens if you don't repent. I, I didn't say it. Read your Bible. And so, the last thing I want to say, last two things I want to say, what does repenting do for a believer? Three things. Very simple. Number one, it eliminates shame. Number two, it allows you to breathe. Some of you, you've been sick. You've been tired. Thinking it's, it's work. It's your sin. You've bottled it up so much. Your hair's falling out, you don't know what to do? Breathe. Breathe. Number 3 it puts you in a position to be revived. Scripture supports this Acts 3:19, Acts 3:19. Acts 3:19. Cuz some of you guys may be thinking that like I'm just saying this, you know, it's practical too, but it says here, so repent, change your mind and purpose. Turn around and return to God. So everything I've been saying is scriptural, guys. So that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean. Here's the part that I'm talking about when I said these three things. It says, That times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of heat, of reviving with fresh air may come from the presence of the Lord. So if you just repent, all that shame you've been feeling, feeling so locked up, it says... That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And I know there's many that may be here that may say, yeah, dar, I heard everything that you said. It's all nice and yeah, I'm feeling a little bit of conviction within me. But I thought Jesus died on the cross for me. Doesn't that cover all my sin and shame? Yes, 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 it's true, it's true. But I want to read these two things. I want to read this scripture, and then I want to read this commentary from John Piper to let you understand that, yes, he died for for you. But the reality is that repentance is part of walking in the light. 1 John 1, 7 to 9. 1 John 1, 7 to 9. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Right? Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Okay? Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10. Oh, sorry, my bad. My bad. You're good. You're good. Don't worry. I'll read this commentary to support this. John Popper says, so confessing sins must be a part of walking in the light. The blood of Jesus continually cleanses us from sin while we are walking in the light. Do y'all get that? The blood of Jesus continually cleanses us while we are walking in the direction of the light. And walking in the light means we are being aware when we do sin. Confessing it means that you admit it. That you hate it and that you don't want it. That's a distinguishing factor. If you don't confess it, it means that you're fine with it. That is telling the truth about our sin. And if we do that, we are walking with God in the light. We are not dropping in and out of relationship with God or light. We are walking in the light. We see our sin as sin. We hate our sin. We confess our sin. And thus we are enjoying the promises that come from walking in the light. You see, I want us to come to a place that we hate the sins that we do. That's why we confess them. Because us not confessing it means that we are fine walking in the light that that way. And so the assignment I have for all of us, this is week two of Code Blue, I've said it, don't miss a single week, is that I want all of us, because normally, oh, I just want us to go ahead and stand up, and I want us to just begin to speak in our heavenly language, and just begin to repent. So God, I would normally say all these things, but I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you that moment. It's too easy. So I want every single person here to go home and repent. <laughs> And not just say, God, have mercy on me. God, forgive me. God, have mercy on me. It's great, but be specific. Is this something that you've done? Something fraudulent that you've done? Say it specifically. We've got to stop being fake in the presence of God. Something that you stole? Did you sleep with somebody? Did you do something conniving, deceitful? Say it all. Say, God, I did it. And I want us to use this scripture to pray as we're doing it. Write this down. Psalm 51, 1 to 19. Psalm 51, 1 to 19. As you're praying this week, I want you to pray this scripture. Psalm 51, 1 to 19. Psalm 51, 1 to 19. And I said this in first service is that after last week's message, it's great to say that, you know, we're on the deathbed. It's good to admit that, yes, God, I need help. But many times we hear stories that when people are on their deathbed, that's when they begin to reflect about all the decisions that they've made. And so I want you. You're on the bed right now. And you've acknowledged that, God, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not how I used to be. God, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit cold. I'm a bit far from you. But now it's time to be a bit more specific and begin to repent and say, God, yeah, that time, that summer, 2016, Yeah, that was a wild summer. God, I'm sorry for... Y'all know what it is. <laughs> Be specific. Be very specific. God, I committed myself to this organization back then. And I looked back and I didn't realize I was in a cult. I'm sorry for doing that. And so I want us to bow our heads. Whether you're here in person or you're online... I want to give this opportunity, as we should as a church, of a moment to come into relationship with Christ. You see, for some people, the first step in your repentance is a clean reset, a clean, fresh start. For some of us, that's what we need is a fresh reset that, God, I'm so sorry. I'm coming back into relationship with you. And so we're going to say this together, and I want those people who have sensing that you already have it within your spirit something's already telling you you already have the conviction that man i I, I definitely need to to get back and so i want us to say this together and if you really mean it if you really believe that i want you to say it and mean it towards god and so let's say this together lord jesus lord jesus come into my heart help me to know you better as i accept you today Take over my heart and dwell in me. Forgive me of my old ways and help me to change into the person that you want me to be. I love you, Lord, and I proclaim that you are my God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to keep our heads bowed real quick. If you are here in person, I don't want you to be shy about this. I want you to be bold. Let's be real. This is the first step to repentance. I said this. This is the catalyst for revival. So if you're online, there's gonna be a number that'll pop up and you can text that, save to that number, but if you're here in person, I want you to raise your hand. It's between you and God. You know what you need to do better. You know that you need a fresh start. You know that there needs to be repentance. And so I want you to be straight up with God. Be straight up with him. Don't fool yourself. Heavenly Father, we say thank you, God, that we can have a moment, God, today to look at the power of repentance, Heavenly Father. That we can have a moment, Heavenly Father, God, to come back into relationship with you, God. And so, Heavenly Father, even with everything that we've heard, God, we pray, Lord, as everyone leaves this room, God, I pray, Lord, that as they go back and repent to you, Heavenly Father, God, I pray, Lord, that they'll be able to breathe, God. The people that have been sick, the people that have been stuck, the people that have had so much stress going on because of the sin that they've committed, because of the trauma that they've been through, God, because of the shame that they've been holding onto, Heavenly Father, God. I pray, Lord, as they repent this week, God, they will be able to breathe, Heavenly Father, God. I pray every voice of shame, Heavenly Father, God, shall be taken away as they repent, Heavenly Father, God. And I pray, almighty Father God, Lord, that for each person that is in this room or watching online, oh God, I pray, almighty Father God, Lord, that because of this decision, God, to repent, Lord, we begin to see a move of revival in their lives, heavenly Father God. Lord, I thank you, God, for every single person that gave their life to Christ as well, God. We pray, heavenly Father God, that you begin to walk with them, Lord. Help them and encourage them, Heavenly Father, God, even as voices of shame, voices accusing them of their past may come, Heavenly Father, God. We pray, Lord, that you begin to encourage them, God. Let them see a manifestation, Heavenly Father, God, of your presence, Lord. And I pray, Heavenly Father, God, let them know that you are truly with them, God. We thank you, Heavenly Father, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Can some revived people make some noise for God? Thank you for tuning into the Gap Shirt Podcast. We hope this message blessed you if you made that choice to give your life to christ congratulations we celebrate you don't forget to text safe to 817-381-5353 again text safe to 817-381-5353 thank you so much and have a blessed week